just want to say to everybody, I found the best way to conclude my talks on religion in a much more lighthearted fashion. Franciscanmedia.org. Well, I see my pet in heaven. Jack Wentz OFM. This is the Franciscan Spirit Blog. How do we answer children when they ask, well, I see my dog in heaven? As I see it, this question is not only an urgent concern for the children. I believe that most adults also, also have a deep desire to know if, in the next life, when we see our pets and all the other lovely creatures alongside whom we now inhabit this planet. I feel more comfortable, however, if we pose the question a little more broadly. Namely, does God's plan of salvation include all creatures? In reflections below, I think I have lined up a good bit of evidence from scripture from the spirit of St. Francis and from the teachings of the church. It shows that God wishes other creatures besides humans to be included in the plan of salvation. Consider the following. The creation story of Genesis suggests that God's care and love extend to all creatures. Would not God's very act of creating the earth as well as the plants and animals imply an unwritten covenant that the creator would not suddenly stop loving or caring for them? The story of Noah's Ark leaves little doubt in my mind that God wants all creatures to be saved, not just the humans. For me, the Ark is a wonderful symbol of God's desire to save the whole family of creation. The story suggests to me that it's not God's plan to save humankind apart from the other creatures. We are all in the same boat, so to speak. As St. Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 22, all creation is groaning for its liberation. After the waters of the flood go away, God makes a covenant with all living creatures. The covenant is not simply between God and the humans, but also, as the Bible says, with all the birds and the various tame and wild animals. Never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Genesis chapter 9, verse 10 through 11. Italics added. God's putting a rainbow in the sky emphasizes the point one more time. God tells me this is the sign of the covenant established between me and all mortal creatures that are on earth. Chapter 9, verse 17. Isn't it interesting that God takes much more care than we humans to include the animals and other creatures in his plan of salvation? The story of Jonah teaches us the all inclusive nature of God's saving love. The amazing mindset of the Jonah story is that animals participate in God's saving intention. The book of Jonah almost reads like a children's story. There's a furious storm at sea. The sailors throw Jonah into the raging water. A big fish swallows the prophet and spits him out on the shore. Jonah has been trying to run far away from the task God has assigned him, namely to preach to the city of Nineveh. Like his fellow Jews, Jonah despises the people of Nineveh. Jonah does not like the fact that God's saving love includes the likes of them. The story is really a parable of God's all-embracing love. Significantly, even the animals are included in God's saving plan. When Jonah proclaims that Nineveh will be destroyed because of its sins, the king of Nineveh is very responsive. He announces a fast, which includes not only humans, but animals as well. Neither man nor beast, neither cattle nor sheep shall taste anything, orders the king. They shall not eat, nor shall they drink water. Man and beast shall be covered with sackcloth. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. 
Lest to Jonah's disappointment, God's mercies were inclusive and reaches far beyond the chosen people. God spares the city from calamity because of its repentance. And the last line of the book of Jonah clearly reveals that God's saving love extends to all living creatures, not just the humans. Should I not be concerned? God asked Jonah over Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot distinguish their right hand from their left, not to mention many cattle. Chapter 4, verse 11. In the book of Psalms, we find prayers in which other creatures are called upon to praise God along with the humans, suggesting that creatures are meant to share a powerful. I meant. In the book of Psalms, we find prayers in which other creatures are called upon to praise God along with the humans, suggesting that creatures are meant to share our prayerful journey into the presence of God. These are very inclusive kinds of prayer. Listen to Psalms, chapter 148. It's a hymn of all creation to the Almighty Creator. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord from the earth. You see, you see monsters and all depths. D P T H S. Fire and hail, snow and mist, storm winds that fulfill his word. Ye mountains and all ye hills, ye fruit trees and all ye cedars, ye wild beasts and all tame animals. Let the kings of the earth and all peoples, young men too, and maidens, old men and boys, praise the name of the Lord, verses 1 through 13. A similar hymn of praise to God is sung by the three youths in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. In the midst of their distress, they invite the whole family of creation to praise the one Lord of all. Just to give a little sampling of this long hymn, the three youths sing, Sun and moon, bless the Lord, every shower and dew, bless the Lord. All ye winds, bless the Lord. All ye birds of the air, bless the Lord. All ye beasts, wild and tame, bless the Lord. Verse 52, 31. Do not biblical prayers of this kind suggest that all those creatures are meant to walk side by side in one common journey to God? Do these prayers not imply that all creatures are included in God's saving plan? St. Francis gave us a similar style of prayer. It seems obvious that when he wrote his Canticle of the Creature, sometimes called Canticle of Brother Son, he based his style of prayer on such passages of scriptures I just cited. But he added a special personal touch. He gave the titles of brother and sister to the various creatures as if to emphasize all the Lord's heartwarming insight we are, that we all form one family of creation under one loving creator in heaven. Sister and brother are familiar terms. Francis had the amazing intuition that we are not meant to come to God alone as if in, pri as if in proud isolation from our brother and sister creatures. Rather we are to form one family with them to lift up one symphony symphony of praise to our common creator. Wouldn't it seem strange if these sister and brother creatures were invited to praise God with us here on earth are not welcome to praise God with us in heaven? Just a condensed version of St. Francis's Canticle. All praise be yours, my Lord, through all that you have made. And first, my Lord, brother, son, who brings the day, how beautiful is he, how radiant in all his splendor, all ye, of you most high. He bears the likeness, all praise be yours, my Lord, to your sister, moon, and stars. Make them bright and fresh and fair. All praise be yours, my Lord, to brothers, women, and air. All praise be yours, my Lord, to sister, water, so useful, lonely, precious, and fair. All praise be yours, my Lord, to brother, fire, through whom you brighten up the night. 
All praise to yours, my Lord, for your sister, Earth, our mother, who feeds us and feasts the various fruits of colored flowers and herbs. Praise and bless, my Lord, and give thanks and serve him with great humility. Uh, turning to the gospel, we see how reverent we see how reverently and closely Christ worked with creatures. One thing is clear: the eternal word did not the eternal word did not hold himself aloof from our created world in his efforts in his efforts to save us, but literally entered the family of creation at the incarnation. God made this world his home, thus giving us all creatures a holy dignity. Jesus interacted very naturally and respectfully with the created world, whether on the lake shore or in the desert or on the mountainside or crossing the wheat field or the sea of Galilee. In his preaching of the good news of God's saving love, Jesus easily used images of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, also foxes, pearls, salt, fig trees, mustard seeds, and lost sheep, to name a few. Jesus used created things in his saving work, wet clay on the eyes of the blind man to bring healing, John chapter 9, verse 67. He's the products of wheat and grape, bread and wine, to convey his very presence in the Eucharist. Finally, after his resurrection, Jesus seemed to leave another hint near the end of Mark's gospel that the whole family of creation is included in God's saving love. After his death and resurrection, he tells his disciples, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark doesn't say to every human being, but to every creature. In the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, inspired writer presents to us a heavenly vision in which all creatures are standing before the throne of God. Obviously, that glorious gathering is not composed exclusively of saved humanity. Thus, I heard every creature in heaven on earth and on. Thus, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in the sea, everything in the universe cry out. To the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. In this picture of heaven, all creatures are present and praising God together. We take a closer look at the vision of St. Francis of Assisi, 1182 through 1226. If ever there was a saint who took to heart an inclusive and integral vision of salvation, it was this poor little saint. The most important key to Francis's vision that all creatures are meant to form one family is the incarnation. Francis had a great fascination for the feast of Christmas. Francis was deeply aware of one moment in history, namely the moment that God entered creation and the earth was made flesh. In his mind, this event sent shockwaves through the whole fabric of creation. The divine word not only became human, the word of God became flesh, entering not only the family of humanity, but the whole family of creation coming one in a sense with the very dust out of which all things are made. Francis had a keen sense that all creatures, not just humans, were to celebrate the feast of Christmas. Francis' biographer tells that Francis wanted the emperor to ask all citizens to scatter grain along the roads on Christmas Day, that the birds and other animals would have plenty to eat. Walls, too, should be rubbed with food, Francis said, and the beasts in the stable should also receive a bounteous meal on Christmas Day. By right, all creatures should participate in the celebration of Christmas. Francis had a clear sense that the saving plan of God is revealing the child, the Savior, born at Bethlehem, was to touch every part of the created world. In this vision, it was natural for Francis to take literally Jesus' command in Mark's gospel to proclaim the gospel to every creature, to birds and fish, 
rabbits and wolves as well as to humans. Why shouldn't he preach to the animals and birds? St. Francis refused to be a human chauvinist, presumed that he was to be saved apart from the rest of creation. Our Catholic liturgy supports him and mirrors this kind of vision. Father, you are holy indeed, and all creation rightly gives you praise. These words, which begin Eucharist prayer, three of the Roman Missal, express wonderfully how the Catholic Christian community includes the whole family, creation its public rights, or IDS, and prayers of praise. The Catholic liturgy, with its many sacramental rites, makes abundant use of the created world, water, oil, fire, bread and wine, incense, ashes, palm branches, flowers, candles, stained glass, colored vestments, paintings and images of biblical creatures such as eagles, lions, oxen, serpents, and doves. The Catholic community includes all kinds of created elements in its prayer journey to God. The spirit of St. Francis seems very much in evidence in Catholic liturgical life. The world of sound, of course, also plays a part in many Christian liturgies. Psalm chapter 150 says a good biblical model for this approach. Praise the Lord with the blast of the trumpet. Praise him with lyre, L-Y-R-E, and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. But everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verses 3 through 6. Again, it would seem strange if all these created beings which assist us in worshiping God on earth are not invited to join us in worshiping God in heaven. Our Christian teaching about the resurrection of the body also enforces the idea that our whole, that our whole created world is included in God's saving plan. Our Christian belief in the resurrection tells of the great significance of our earthly bodies and earthly environment. At death, our bodies are not discarded like empty shells, as if only our souls are precious meant to live with God, not at all. The resurrection affirms that our bodies are precious too and destined to rise again like Jesus' own body. At one point in the Catholic funeral ceremony, the priest, without saying a word, solemnly walks completely around the casket, gently swinging the censer, allowing clouds of rising incense to honor the bodily remains of the person who died. This awesome gesture of respect toward our earthly bodies reports that central Christian belief that these earthly bodies and all that they represent are meant to be transformed and saved as when Jesus is born, are meant to be transformed and saved as when Jesus glorified body. Indeed, our bodies are vitally interconnected with the whole created world. They could not exist one moment without the sun or the oxygen transmitted by plants. We depend as well as on our environment for water, food, as well as for the and as well as for the minerals that make up these earthly bodies. Because of the intimate linkage between our bodies and our environment, it's hard to imagine how we could be transformed and saved apart from the rest of creation. The doctrine of the resurrection of the body seems to assure us that no genuine part of our human or earthly experience will be lost. So we come back to the original question. The question our children ask so earnestly, will I see my dog in heaven? The question may sometimes sound a bit naive and simplistic, but from all the evidence shown above, I believe we can make a good case for the hope embedded deep in each human heart, namely that the whole family creation will someday share in the fullness of salvation won by Jesus Christ. The more we see the full implications of our belief in the resurrection of the body and understand the biblical vision of God's inclusive love, the easier it is for us to give a hopeful answer to our children's question. In the final analysis, how many of us are truly satisfied with the vision of heaven that does not include the whole family creation 
which have comfort, therefore, in St. Paul's words, that all creation is growing for its freedom and redemption. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. More than that, we embrace the great apostles, hope that creation itself would share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 21. So, I believe that non-humans are in heaven. I believe that nature is in heaven. I believe that animals are in heaven. I believe that insects are in heaven. I believe that architecture is in heaven. I believe that the, the universe, the appearance of it is also in heaven. I believe that life and the new earth are in heaven. I believe that when I die, I'll go to heaven. I believe that when I die, the first soul that I'll meet is my grandma Claire. I'll be tele my soul will be teleported to hers. Um, I believe that the two guinea pigs I had the Dave and Buster are named after my favorite restaurant at that time, Dave and Buster's. I believe they're in heaven with my grandma Claire. The dog that I tried to own, but um, the dog had favor issues. I think that dog would be in heaven. Um, the snake that my mother's brother um, attack with a knife will be in heaven. Um, I think when it comes to I think humans go to heaven, absolutely. I think non-Christians go to heaven. I think that Christians go to heaven too. Um, does St. Peter hold the keys of heaven? I don't know. I don't know who holds the keys of heaven. Um... Am I open to the pearly gates of Jesus Gold, the Book of Life being real? Yeah. Do I know if they're real? I don't know. Um, like the feast in heaven, I think that's real. I think that does happen. You have your own home in heaven, everybody in each other's homes. I think that's, that's real. Um, because if you're in heaven, you do, in your soul, you do need to stay somewhere so that makes sense um i think food and drink is in heaven i think all of the positives of life meaning this life are all in heaven um I feel that way. 
So let me answer another question that's controversial. Will Christians enjoy sex in heaven by the mercury? Published on November 2012 at 1.36 p.m. Updated September 24th, 1.37 a.m. So this is a Christian perspective of that, and then I'll give you my all-around perspective once I'm finished. Will there be sexual relations in heaven? Some say no, because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, that we'd be like the angels from the context of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. But Jesus means that we would be like the angels that there would be no marriage in heaven. A question was given to Jesus concerning a woman who had several husbands in her lifetime, each husband having died and the woman outliving them all. The question given to Jesus was, who will be the woman's husband at the resurrection since she had several husbands? Jesus responded by saying that like the angels, there won't be marriage in heaven. That doesn't mean there won't be sexual relationships in heaven. Marriage is required for sex only in this life. Heaven is another issue. We won't be like angels in every other way. For example, scripture says that believers, Christians in their next life and the resurrected immortal bodies will enjoy food and drink, even though eating and drinking won't be necessary anymore. But believers in glory will still be able to enjoy those and other pleasures. After his resurrection, Jesus himself ate and drank with the disciples. Jesus said that in the future kingdom, he enjoy wine with his disciples again. Angels, on the other hand, are strictly spirit beings and don't consume food or drink. How can God allow sexual relations in heaven without marriage? In heaven, there's no need for anyone to be exclusively to another because there'll be no building and families as marriage involves. Scripture teaches that marriage is a unique test and picture of faithfulness, but in heaven, no such test is necessary for only the faithful will be there. There is no logical reason for why there won't be sex in heaven. If other bodily enjoyments like eating and drinking will be there, then most certainly it is reasonable to expect that there will be sexual enjoyment also. Sex in heaven will be driven spiritually by perfect love. Human sexuality is so powerful because it's not only for reproduction, it involves intercourse of spirit and soul as well as body. The Song of Solomon in the Bible is filled with sexual imagery. Human sexuality has meaning beyond marriage and having children. Seniors have sex beyond childbearing years. Animals only have sex during mating season only for reproductive purposes. Animals don't have sex all the time, but humans do. The Bible teaches that there will be both spiritual and bodily enjoyment in heaven. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 tells us that in God's presence there will be fullness of joy. This is spiritual. And at his right hand there will be pleasures, plural, forevermore. Pleasure is something experienced physically. In fact, various passages of scripture imply that for believers, all human faculties, spirit, mind, and body will be actively engaged and fulfilled throughout eternity. Eternity won't be boring. There's some good books and articles on sexuality in heaven written by Christian scholars. Because Jesus Christ, God's eternal and only begotten Son, faith atonement for sin on our behalf, that we can never fully pay and rose from the dead. The Bible says through genuine faith in Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins, perfectly enjoy God's presence and everything he has for us in heaven. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that, whoever, that whosoever believed in him should not perish with everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16, the King James Version, like KJV. Just as a co-signer to, just as a co-signer to a loan, takes the responsibility to pay someone else's debt should the loan go into default so too Christ took the legal and moral responsibility of paying the debt for humankind's sins 
Because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins, Christ, God can be just as forgiving us our sins when we put our trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. Love and follow God versus someday everything and all enjoyment, physical as well, physical as well as spiritual, will be yours for eternity, my friends. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. The author Babuji ran Ganathan of Boyertown has his bachelor's degree of concentration in theology and biology. As a recognized for his writings on religion and science in the 24th edition of Marquis Who's Who in the East. I I think that believers and non-believers in their next life, in their resurrected immortal bodies, will enjoy food and drink, even though eating and drinking won't be necessary anymore. I I I also feel that of course you don't have to be married to be of sexual ethicalness, okay? I just want to say that. So I think that believers and non-believers will have sexual relationships in heaven. Yes, I think sexual relations and having sex in heaven will occur when it comes to believers and non-believers. I'm talking about all the decent people that have ever lived. Yes, I believe this 100%. And um, basically all of the physical pleasures and all the spiritual pleasures that life has to offer that does no harm are all in heaven. All of the all things good in life are in heaven. I believe that. And so will I enjoy sex relationships in heaven? Yes. I will. That's what I think. Now in heaven, I want to give a tribute to my sisters black women right so here are all the people that I'll be whining and dining with in heaven besides my grandma Claire Ella Baker Josephine Baker Daisy Bates Mary McLeod Bethune Beverly Bond Elaine Brown, Majora Carter, Shirley Chisholm, Septima Clark, Anna Julia Cooper, Angela Davis, Marian Wright Elderman, Amy Ashwood Garvey, Fannie Lou Hamer, Dorothy Hyde, Claudia Jones, Flo Kennedy, Polly Murray, Diane Nash, Rosa Parks, Joanne Robinson, Josephine St. Pierre Ruffin, Maria Stewart, Mary Church Terrell, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, Ida B. Wells Barnett, Maya Wiley, Phyllis Whitley, and the many others 
is what I say. That's why I'll be chilling while down in the heaven. So this is my true view to my grandma Claire. This is the best way for me to conclude my uh, religious episode, not religion episodes for a while. I'll be doing them again. She needs a break. Uh, this is my grandma Claire because this is how she chose to live her earthly life. Pray she even have um, ep- I pray she's in heaven. Uh, epilogue, the wife, noble character. This is Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10 through 31. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bring her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. No, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction of honor and time. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also he praises her. Many women do noble things, but she surpasses them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her works have done, and let her works bring her praise to the city gate. That's a tribute to my grandma Claire because she's a Christian woman on earth. And she was good. And not, and you know, Non-Christian women, I celebrate them just as much as I celebrate my grandma Claire because they're decent, you know, just wanted to say that. Um, I just really have to say these things, you know, it's been an honor to tell you my views on religion. Um, You know, all the physical pleasures or spiritual pleasures will definitely be in heaven forever. You know, healthy hedonism is in heaven. That means in moderation. That means no harm. That means appropriateness. That means proper context. That means being of wholeness and uh, being fully human. That's what I mean when I say those things. And then when I look at um, everything that has happened, within this life. I think about the times where 
I recognize that I was failed by the global society, a global government, and by Christianity Incorporated. And I made a decision that I let go of all the hypocrites in my heart. And I hear my grandma saying to me, God is making it up to you. God is going to give you believers that that are specialized in me. And that the whole constantly failing Antonio thing, even though people are perfect, which is okay. That's not going to keep happening anymore. My grandma's helping me transition from thinking about so much who failed me. Help me understand that a lot of people who want to do right by you, they just want to know your name and they, they're on it. Um, I think about um, the hurt that I have that I'm healing from. And what does that mean? You know, because of the childhood trauma and the mental challenges to go along with it. I wasn't always praying, reading my Bible, listening to gospel music, listening to Christian television every day. But I did tell my grandma that, you know, starting on January 1st, 2022, I was going to start having literary letter conversations with her. I was going to start, um, You know, being on my knees as often as I need to, um, by my bedside, listening to meditation music and closing my eyes and just bowing my head and letting the divine do all the talking to me and I verbally say nothing. Because my way of talking to the divine is thinking about what the, what the, the divine is saying to me. Um, I don't watch Christian television anymore because of the many people in the network being for Donald Trump. My grandma said, that's okay. You don't have to watch that. Because I know she said I should, but you know, in spirit she's like, you don't need to watch that. Whoever, whatever triggers you, don't entertain them at all. If you don't have to, if you can help it. That's what she says to me. Um, she does say, you know, it's good to read the scripture every day. Read scripture, read the Bible every day. She said, don't read it to 
be Christianese, she said, read it so you can so you can understand it in ways that are inclusive, welcoming, opening, affirming, more importantly belonging of people who are not Christian, not pious person. Um, and to those who are like us, marginalized, outcast, untouchables, as well as everyday commoners, color culture workers. I believe all the good people go to heaven, regardless of your religious views, your views on religion. I think about how I think about this message. I will definitely conclude with this. Um, but before I do, I want to say that when I listen to gospel music, my grandma said do that every day. She said, just listen to any uplifting music that doesn't remind you of Christianity Incorporated, but reminds you who the real Jesus is. So she said, consume all content that does not negatively trigger in any way. If it does not negatively trigger in any way, it's all from God. Secular and religious faith-based knowledge. That's what I said. Okay, cool, cool. So I'm going to end with this song as an encouragement and a tribute to myself. Youth for Christ, the struggle is over, lyrics. Wherever you are, whatever you've been going through, God says the struggle is over for you. You've been in this place long enough and your mountainside has been rubbed. The struggle is over for you. Wherever you are, wherever you've been going through, God says the struggle is over for you. You've been in this place long enough and your mountainside has been rough. The struggle is over for you. The struggle is over. The struggle is over for you. The struggle is over. The struggle is over for you. The struggle is over. The struggle is over for you. The struggle is over. The struggle is over for you. Your heartache is over. 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 The trouble is over, the trouble is over, the trouble is over, the trouble is over, the trouble is over. Your struggle is over, your struggle is over, your struggle is over, your struggle is over, your struggle is over for you. You've been in this place long enough and your mountainside has been rough. The struggle is over for you. I've been in this place long enough and my mountainside has been rough. The struggle is over for me. You've been in this place long enough 
and the mountains I had to run for struggle is over for me. So, that's what I mean. Um, So, yeah. I'm just so honored. That love has no religion. And that I I see the oneness and wholeness of Myself, life, the universe, the planet, earth, people, animals, nature, insects, and nature and architecture. And again, love has no religion. These are all of the conclusions of my views on religion, spirituality, and faith. And as we say in Clubhouse, I yield the mic. I yield the recording. <laughs>